imagine what it would take for you to believe that your sibling was the incarnation of God? I think I would need to see some signs and wonders. I would need to really, really see them living it out. So in short, it would need to be true. Jesus had a brother named James, and I think being the brother of Jesus, he has a perspective we really need to pay attention to. So that's what we're doing in this series called The Book of James. We hope you enjoyed this message from Apex students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Does anybody in this room identify as the clumsy one in the friend group? Wow. (laughs) Great bit, great bit. There's a lot of you in here. Okay. I respect it. I think Sam, my wife, could identify with you. Um, I'll tell my story second, but I'll tell Sam's first. Um, Sam, when she does something clumsy around the house or anytime, I will say to her, number two. Now, that's not a poop joke. That is, about, that is because she is the number two most clumsy person in her family because the number one spot belongs to her sister, Mary. Mary is eight, nine. She's eight to 10 years old. Um, <laughs> there's, she has too many siblings. I can't keep track. Um, but Mary is one of the clumsiest people I've ever met. She's adorable, um, but really great at like spilling drinks and plates, really good at like knocking people over, tripping people because you're just like under you. Um, and of course, tripping over her own feet. One time, Sam and Mary teamed up for a clumsy off. So Sam um, picked up one of her other siblings, Grace, who is, I don't know, this was some time ago. So she was young at the time. So she picks up Grace. It's after church. She's probably like, so that makes her like four, three, two, young baby, young child. So she's carrying Grace across the parking lot. They're going to the car and she's like, it's just running and it's like, everything's fine. And Mary is like, that does look like fun. I'm going to run as well. So, so close to you. So Mary gets like under Sam's legs and everyone topples over. Now, um, now Grace is a young child, has now fallen like thrice her height to the ground. Mary has fallen under a grown woman, um, and somehow Sam is the only one with injuries. (laughs) So she came out with a sprained ankle. I don't know. A broken foot. Sorry. She broke her foot. It was... It was a whole thing. She had to go to the Med Express. I was like out with a friend or something. I was not very helpful at the time. (laughs) That is how I remember that story. Um, I will tell you, my the most clumsy thing, the thing that came to mind, um, it was like when I was. I wish I could remember how old I was. I want to say third grade. Um, I think it was in third grade, and my dad was like doing some work on the house, and there was this big like fifty gallon drum in front of the house. I was like, you know, it'd be cool if I could walk on the drum like in, like a circus performer. Wouldn't that be cool? And I was like young enough to think that I should try that. So I did. I did not last long. I quickly hit the ground. I did not bash my head off the fence. It was not far. <laughs> um, but I did land on my arm and break it. Um, I still have a scar, actually. You see that scar right there? See that? See it right there? No? Kiefer, you're right there. I was, thought he would. All right, Malachi, see? see the scar right here? I had pins put in my... Tell everyone about the scar. Tell them. He says, ew. I had pins placed in my, it was a whole thing. Um, So that was my, the clumsy moment that came to mind. Now I get it. I think you get it. Standing, walking, running can be hard. Um, This is a difficult thing to do. And do I have permission to Jesus juke you for a moment? If you don't mind. Um, Standing, standing with your feet firmly planted in your faith can at times be challenging. Um, Jesus has asked us to give everything, 
right? He's asked us to give our relationships, our time, our money, our choices, our decisions, everything. We're supposed to give to him. And uh, sometimes that gets difficult. And when things get difficult, it can be easy for us to say, I'm not sure I want to do that and begin to pull back from giving him everything. It can be difficult to keep ourselves connected and planted to him. That's going to set up what we're talking about tonight. Tonight, we're finishing off our series called The Book of James. And in the study on the Book of James, um, we're studying the Book of James. And the Book of James was written by James, um, who was the brother of Jesus. And that's, that makes it really significant. We're looking very closely at James because he was the brother of Jesus, and so he has a really special perspective. Um, like we've talked about before, James, in the Book of James, is writing a letter to some people, um, the people that were Christ followers. They were new people that were following Jesus, and the timing is really key because Jesus had just been killed for starting this movement. So the people within the movement were were concerned that they were next, and rightfully so. They were concerned that they were going to be next. So these people are hiding. They're terrified. They they, they were like pumped. (laughs) They were excited to start. There's this guy's walking on water. He's feeding and healing people, and all of a sudden, he's killed. So now what? Some of these people had like given everything. They had given their lives. They had left lives that like all they knew at this point. They'd followed this man for three years. They were following Jesus. So now what? Now what do we do? We're afraid. We're we're hiding. And um, they were really concerned that they were next. So tonight we're going to look at the end of James' letter because that was his audience. Those people that were hiding, that's his audience. And uh, this is part of James signing off. He's signing off in his letter, and uh, he writes in James 5, 7 through 9, these words. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient, take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. So as James comes to the close of his letter, he sends this reminder. Be patient, take courage. Be patient, take courage. Now imagine that you were James's audience here. Imagine that you were you were one of these Jesus followers, these new Jesus followers who had given everything. And at this point, you were hiding from, from, from death. You were hiding from people that you have to assume are hunting you. This, these are the words. What would you say to people in that situation? I, it would, it's difficult for me to, to know. <laughs> it's, it's easy for me to just say, like, yes, I would, be, I would be reading my Bible every day. I would be praying more than ever. I hope so, but it's really difficult for me to to honestly consider how I would respond in a situation like that. None of us really actually know. And it's important for us to realize, and I think some of you in this room will be surprised to hear, that there are people facing that exact situation all over the world right now. Right now, today, um, are, are, are facing persecution because of their following Jesus. And I think they would say that it's the presence of God that helps me get through that. He is the one that gives me strength. He is the one that helps me be patient for his return, patient with others, and take courage in the face of my suffering. And then that's the same thing for James' audience. I think James' audience as well would say, it is the presence of God. Is the only, that's what James is saying. Rely on God to give you patience and to give you courage. 
Being a follower of Jesus is difficult for anyone, um, but us in this room have not had our lives threatened for our beliefs. We have not had our loved ones' lives threatened if we don't refuse, if we don't turn from our faith. But imagine what it would be like if that was your reality, if you, if you lived with the constant concern that you or your loved ones would be killed if you, had not, if you did not resign your religion, if you did not stop following Jesus. As I mentioned, there's people all over the world that are facing that actual reality right now. And uh, even though we are not those people, I think as Christ followers, just like them, they've become our brothers and sisters, and we need to know that. And we need to be concerned about that. That matters to us. Um, to learn more about persecution around the world, how you can support and pray for these people, and um, how to, you know, you can like post prayers and learn stories. There's this website I want to show you, persecution.com. Persecution.com. Um, it, it goes to a website which is hosted by the Voice of the Martyr. That's what it's called. It's an organization that works with these people all over the world um, and ministers to people regularly who are facing persecution. So here's a map. Um, I got to get my slides right. Here's a map of the world. And this, on this map, it is showing you the countries where you cannot follow Jesus openly. Um, there are orange countries here, which are, um, they are, there are demonstrations in that country which are trending toward those things being true, trending toward it being where you can't openly follow Jesus. The ones that are red, that's happening right now, today. Some of them have passed laws where you cannot own a Bible. You cannot follow Jesus. Some of them are, are, are cultural discrimination. Your family will disown you if, you if you forsake the family faith tradition. If you begin to follow Jesus, you're done. You, you can't get a job. You won't have any family or friends left. It costs you everything. Those are all those red countries. And I'll tell you, as a pastor, I was surprised to see this many. I, I had not looked at a map like this before. I knew that it happened, but, but seeing colors on a map helped me to really visualize in much of the world, what we do very openly is completely illegal or completely, um, you will cause you discrimination, could cost you your life. Before we move on from this, I want to tell you one of these stories about a man. Uh, his name is Reverend Lawan Andimi. And uh, he's a pastor in Adamamwa State, which is a, a part of Nigeria. Um, so this is a picture. And uh, there's a map of Nigeria. It shows you where Nigeria is on, in West Africa. On G this, is, this is what really caught my attention, the dates of the, these events. January 2nd, 2020, a month and a half ago. He was kidnapped from his village by a terrorist organization in Nigeria. Um, and most of the people in his village escaped. But the reason he didn't was because they had planned to take him. <laughs> they had come to this village to take this pastor out of the village. Um, on January 7th, 2020, he was forced to make a video that would serve as his last words. So this picture here, this is a screen grab from that video. Um, you can see the flag of that particular terrorist organization in the background there. And then on January 20th, he was beheaded. And this is, he was taken from his home, taken from his family, taken from his village. The conditions could not have been good for that month and a half. And he was killed because he was a follower of Jesus. I'm sorry, that was what, uh, January 20th. So we're talking 18 days, three weeks. And he was beheaded for his faith in Jesus. In this video, he, he was forced to say some last words. And I want to give you some of those words because they were um, really inspiring to me. Um, so I'm going to read you some of those things. <clears throat> he said, I have never been discouraged. Man, if it were just that. <laughs> 
He said, I have never been discouraged because all conditions that one finds himself in is the hands of God. Above, above the situation that he is clearly in, he, he's not surprised what's going to happen. He, he knows where he is. He knows what's going to happen to him. And he says, above that condition, my condition is in the hands of God. Above the suffering, above the difficult situation, where I'm at, is in the hand of my father. So he tells his family not to worry or cry, and he's, he reminds them they'll be reunited in heaven. And I don't tell you this to scare you. I hope that that's not where you're going, but I want to give you some context on, on the world, what's happening in the world today. This, he was beheaded just a few weeks ago, just about a month ago. And I want to give you some context in what's happening in the world today. And it's the same context that James is writing to. This is a very similar situation where he's writing to people who are running for their lives because of, because of their faith in Jesus. They're forced into hiding. James' words to those people, to that audience, was be patient, take courage. Be patient, take courage. These sound like very nice words to us. It's a nice reminder, something that we can... Um, hopefully remember tomorrow. They have a lot of meaning to us, but imagine the meaning they have to people all over the world. People like Reverend Lawan and Demi. Imagine what those words mean to a man in that situation, in captivity, with his fate ahead of him that he's very aware of. Imagine what it's like to hear, be patient, take courage, it sounds like an extreme scenario to us, risking death because of our faith, but it's everyday life for people all over the world. And it was everyday life for the people that James was writing to, for James's audience. They wait patiently for Jesus to come back and they take courage and stand firm in their faith. That should inspire us. It should challenge us as well, not just inspire us to hold tightly to our faith, to connect with God, but to challenge us to say, what is the thing that's, taking, that's grabbing me and pulling me away from Jesus? Because it's not my life being threatened. What is the thing that's driving a wedge between me and God? How would your life be different if you had that level of faith? Imagine having the faith of Reverend Endemi and, and being dropped into your situation now. What would your life look like if you had that kind of faith living your life now? The kind of faith that would risk death to keep following Jesus. When we think about people in this situation, it can make our worries get smaller. What people think about our clothes, how popular I am at the moment, doesn't seem to matter as much. When we put ourselves in the shoes of suffering people, James wants his readers to remember that suffering and trials do not last forever. I think he's saying that to us as well. Suffering and trials don't last forever. Jesus is coming back to make things right in a long-term way. If you don't know, Jesus died on a cross. He ascended into heaven, and he's coming back one day. And he's going to right every wrong. He's going to transform the world into, some, into Eden. If you know the, the beginning of the story, he's going to transform the world into a place free of sin and pain. He's coming back to change things in a long-term way, but in a, in, a, in a now type of way. He is where we can rely on for strength. He is the one we can count on for peace and for courage and patience. There's another piece in that verse where James reminds us not to complain or grumble. 
I love to see the word grumble in scripture. He says, don't complain or grumble about one another. Don't fight within yourself. And this can be a tough one for me. Um, I think everyone in this room can relate because complaining just feels good. Complaining about stuff, I don't know what it is, gives us a sense of control or just like it feels like we're doing something about the thing, but we're just complaining about it. Um, but let's again remember together who James is talking about. These people had some reason to complain. And not because they've had a cough for a week, not because they can't get their bank account set up on the app or because the significant other left them on red. They have something to, real to complain about. And James says, don't grumble about it. Be patient. Take courage. He put this reminder in here not to complain because waiting is hard. Being patient is hard, when, when you're, especially when you're suffering while you're waiting. That's even more difficult. And he's warning people in this situation not to turn against each other. I think this is so beautiful. He says, don't, this is going to be easy for you to start getting mad, start getting emotional, and it's a dire time. But even in this emotional, drastic measure time, do not turn against each other. Don't let division, and this becomes a, a whole theme for the, the early church, don't let division come between you. Don't grumble and complain about each other. Stay connected to each other because we need each other to take courage. We need each other to be patient. I say this a lot, but we were not created to do this alone. We were not created to experience Jesus in isolation. We're created to do this together. We need to count on one another and we need to support one another. So James' reminder to be patient and take courage is also a reminder to be patient and take courage together. We have this two-pronged reminder tonight. And at different times, we're each gonna, we're gonna you know, need to count on one of these two things, to be patient, to take courage. Sometimes we're gonna be, need to be reminded to be patient. Be patient with other people. Be patient and filled with grace for the people in this room, for the people in your life, because we need each other. We need to have grace for one another. We also need to be patient with God's timing. Man, when I'm suffering, when things are just... It's a reminder that this is not what God intended. It's whenever I'm feeling that tension of something horrible happening around me or in my life, it's a reminder that, hey, this is not how it was supposed to be. So be patient with God's timing. I think when James is saying, hey, Jesus is coming back, so be patient, I don't think he's just talking about Jesus's return because to the people he was talking to, they didn't get to see that. I think he's also saying, Jesus is coming to make things right in your situation. And maybe that means removing a threat. Maybe that means removing an obstacle. Maybe that means giving you the strength to handle it. Maybe that means many of these people were killed for their faith. Imagine that. James says, be patient and take courage. And then they did. They were patient, they took courage, and they were still killed for their faith. Imagine Jesus being the most important thing. I think that's a big part of the, the, what life following Jesus is about, making Jesus the most important thing. It's not providing for your family. It's not finding the person you're going to marry. It's not being financially stable. There's a lot of things that, that our parents, that the world, that culture tells us that this life is about. It is about one thing. It's about Jesus. It's about giving him worship. It's about making him known. That's the whole thing. And so if these people who, who were patient and they did take courage and still died for their faith, it sparked this movement that turned into this church today. 
Isn't that wild? Jesus was one man. He was, he was the God man. He brought 12 people around with him. He had a crowd of people following him from town to town. And then when he died, the people went into hiding. And then he filled them with the Holy Spirit. So they went out of hiding and said, all right, I'm committed to this thing. This movement is my life now. I'm going to give everything to it. And they died. And when they died, other people saw them die and said, man, if they're willing to die for that, I wonder if it's real. This is what I've been saying about James, is if James could believe his sibling was the Messiah, it would just have to be real. And that's what these people saw in the people that were persecuted for their faith. Wow, that person was crucified upside down for their faith. Wow, that person was willing to be beheaded for their faith. And, and scripture says that God makes all things work together for the good of those who love him. So there is, he, he doesn't make things happen that are bad, but when, he's, when a bad things happen, he says, I'm gonna turn good out of that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yank the good out of it. I'm gonna push the good into it. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he redeems the evil in the world. And that's what he did with these people. He redeemed the evil that was happening around them to spark this movement. And it's why we have a church today. There are many old religions, and there are few that are still around today. And one of the reasons that Christian, that's, that's one, another reason to believe in what we're doing. Because all throughout human history, God has been, he's been showing up for his people. He's been performing miracles. He has been keeping this thing around to show us that it's real. And, and what he did in the early church is why we're in this building today. Be patient with God's timing because he's coming back to make things right in a long-term way. He's with us now to navigate our suffering. So sometimes we need to remember to be patient. There are other times we need to remember to take courage. We need to be reminded um, to take courage because following Jesus can be difficult for a lot of reasons, and I get that. But Jesus makes it worth it. He, he makes it worth following him. It's always worth it, so take courage. And remember, please, that we are here to do this together. We're here to be patient together with one another. We are here to take courage for each other, with each other. Remind each other to be patient and take courage. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what you're doing in this room. Thank you for your word, how we can learn from it, how we can let it transform our lives as you've been doing all throughout human history. Tonight, let us have, let us let this word transform us. Remind us that people all over the world are suffering for this, suffering for you, to, to follow you and risking their lives by doing so, God. So let, it, let us let that inspire us and change us to be patient and to take courage and learn from what James said to people who were suffering and apply that to our lives, to our current suffering, to what we're going through, and, uh, and just remember that you are still taking care of us. Thank you, God, that you still take care of us. Thank you that you are worth being patient for. You are worth taking courage from. And I pray you help us to do that together. Help us to rely on this family, to support one another, and to get help from one another as well. We love you. We thank you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Students podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We hope this message has mattered in your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Jesus.